Welcome in. According to sources right here, I got my guys, my compadres, as I run the fast break. They got my wings covered. My boy C4, Dunk, Chris Kaysen. You can follow him on Twitter and on IG. And my guy, down, down in the dirty south, Brian Crawford, at B underscore Craw4D on Twitter and Mr. Craw4D on IG. You can go follow him right now. What took you guys so long? We were holding back because we were trying to let the dust settle on all of this free agency and postseason trade and draft just to see how things were going to come out before we actually came together and talked about this. So we're going to start with free agency right off the bat. And, of course, the three major things that happened, not only Kawhi Leonard signing with the L.A. Clippers, but him talking to Paul George and convincing him to go to Sam Presti and pretty much request a trade from the OKC Thunder which after that, of course, the next domino was Russell Westbrook going to the Houston Rockets via trade for a boatload of first-round picks. We'll definitely get into that and how that impacts CP3 with news breaking the day that, uh, yeah, he's pretty much stuck in OKC as of today because trade talks have stifled, according to Sam Presti and authorities or reports out of OKC. But let's just start with the bigger news, Kawhi Leonard. Did you see it coming? Not him signing with the Clippers, but the combination of him and Paul George ending up with the Clippers and the way it happened. Uh, I didn't see any of those things happening. Like, I was completely taken off guard. Like, I thought he was going to be a Laker for sure. You know, just because, you know, the way we see these guys, they team up and, you know, create these super teams with four and five guys. So I thought that was the direction that he was going. So for him to pick the Clippers was really a shock. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's going back home. He's going back to L.A. Like, you like you think about it, man. Like, the city of Los Angeles right now, they got Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and DeMarcus Cousins all in one city. You know, that's, that's ridiculous. And, you know, shout out to Doc Rivers and those guys, man, for, you know, going in there and doing a great job of selling Kawhi on, you know, what they're trying to build over there. And shout out to Kawhi for, you know, approaching Paul George, which completely came, you know, from the left. And it showed that Oklahoma City, they was, you know, they was ready to hit the reset button, man. Like, they was tired of cutting them big checks. And, you know, they was they was okay with parting ways. I think, I think they saw that that team had, you know, basically maxed out and reached its peak probably three or four years ago. And they were, you know, financially they weren't ready to – commit any more money to it so i think it's it's better for the league in terms of parity like you're seeing a lot of that going around now and i mean i don't know if there's very much parity in the east but in the west there certainly is so that's good so you know, we'll see how it shakes out but i was totally shocked that you know that it all went down like that yeah definitely i always had the kind of the sense that you know he was a rental but you know you didn't know i never like took too much stock into the Lakers situation because, you know, a guy who played in San Antonio when they had their own, you know, big three, uh, quote unquote, I couldn't see him going there and being like the third guy, you know, even if LeBron takes a step back, you know, I can't see him, how that works together, you know, great players make it work, but I couldn't see him 
just with what little we know about him and what we've seen from him. I couldn't see him going to that situation. But to be able to lightly recruit, you know, a Paul George, and I think there was conversation that he reached out to KD about. Yeah, know, according, to, uh, according to Brian Wenthorst mm-hmm. of ESPN, he reached out to KD before he reached out to Paul George. And in doing so, KD was taken back. Yeah, I mean. I was almost surprised and shocked. Well, he, yeah. He reached out to KD before he got hurt. Like, yeah. This is yeah. like and and and, and that just kind of goes to show like how far in advance he was thinking about this, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, you know, for the quietest, one of the quietest guys in the league. Well, they say those are the guys to look out for. Yeah, that is true. The quiet guy. That is true. I mean, but, you know, it's a good story. I mean, great for that Clippers fan base who I don't ever think had who hasn't had a Big free agent signing in history. I mean, Chris Paul came over there in the trade. They drafted Blake. So, I mean, this is a huge turnaround for that entire organization. I mean, and he fits, him and Paul, I think, fit right along with that nucleus they built over there that, you know, just uh, put your hard hat on and, you know, get to work. You know, it's, it's going to be exciting. I mean, if I'm in the league, that's my opening day. You know, matchup right there is the Clippers and the Lakers, and followed by, you know, you could do a Warriors, uh, you know, Toronto repeat. But, you know, it's great. The league is up for grabs, basically. I mean, if you ask me who'll be left standing in June, I have no answers, like, at all. I mean, in the East. Oh, I got one. Yeah, in the East, it's a late. <laughs> yeah, in the East, you know, you can, you can pinpoint, like, two teams. But over in the West, this. You know, it's definitely up for grabs. Nobody talks about Denver, who actually have, like, the continuity there uh, still. You know, Portland, you know, we talk about teams that's been together for a while, their nucleus, and, you know, you have a lot of teams who are just, you know, added some very good pieces. Utah is also. So, I mean, I think it's going to be exciting uh, for the league. Nah, bro, it's the Lakers. Who going to beat them, man? That's the way you feel with the duo what? LeBron and AD? LeBron, AD, Boogie Cousins, Rondo. Who your shooters? Like they're they weak shooters? on the wings. Yeah, still, I was getting still dependent on KCP as a shooter. <laughs> you know, KCP and Avery Bradley, they trash. I like, I, I will give you that. But I mean, you got you got basically the New Orleans front line, and, and with LeBron James, you know, and if no, and if none of those guys get hurt, they're gonna be a problem, man. Like we've seen LeBron carry, you know, teams with less talent not only to the finals, to the championship, you give them two of the best big men in the game and then you got Rondo, one of the smartest players in the game, nobody gets hurt, man. It's going to be an issue. I don't want – I'm around what they do with what he said in the press conference. In seven games, I don't think nobody can beat him. I will say this. They have a player that has the least amount of pressure on him, and he's played pretty well since coming into the NBA, and that's Kyle Kuzma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I forgot really, about him. Kuz, you know what Kuz I'm saying? Kuz can yeah, score 18 up, consistently. Yeah. And be that shooter, one yeah. of those shooting knockdown shooters, they're definitely a problem. But, I mean, they're going to be a problem because they have two of the top, arguably, five players in the NBA. Yeah. So that combination is definitely something yeah. that's going to be formidable. Yeah, I'm also excited to see, I mean, just looking at, you know, it's the off season, so whenever a guy go through, like, some type of physical transformation, you know, we get excited. But looking, I mean, DeMarcus looks like he's lost about at least 30 Absolutely. Pounds. Yeah, it's when scary. When he press conference, I yeah, saw a couple of scary. interviews. Yeah. I mean, he, was, on that LeBron di- yeah. he on that LeBron diet from like five years ago. Yeah, which I think like super skinny. helps him. I mean, I know, you know, recovering from Achilles injury for an already <clears> And then the thigh injury yeah, on top of that. Yeah. That's a big guy, you know, to be able to lose that right weight so quickly from – you know, June until now, you know, that speaks volumes. So. Okay, so now compare 
you guys can wait. And then me. hold on, let me wait. Ahead, let me throw this one caveat into there about the Lakers too. We're forgetting about Frank Vogel, man. He a really good coach, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Like we seen what he did with the Pacers, and he only had one dude. He had you know Paul George and well Roy Hibbert and whoever else they had over there. But he went to back to back Eastern Conference Finals. So yeah, man, with with one dude, you know what I'm saying? So. It's going to be real interesting. That's a good – but another thing that I think – didn't the Lakers just add, like, some other assistant coaches over there? That's the well, one. they tried to get Ron Adams away from the Warriors. They got and he said kid no. over there, right? Yeah. Jason yeah. Kidd was at it. Yeah. Lionel yeah. Hollins. And Lionel Hollins. Yeah, yeah. they got a, Lionel Hollins. a lot of – one thing that concerns me is just that situation where I don't think any of Frank Vogel's guys are over there. I think they just basically, you know, threw very – Good point, yeah. You know – very good coaches, you know, on so his staff. So what's his comfort level? Yeah, like, and who's the voice? Mm-hmm. Who's the voice? Oh, they, they just added uh, Phil Handy, I think, from right. uh, they Toronto. Did. Toronto. Very respected yeah. coach. Very good guy. So, you know, it's going to be Maybe that's his guy. Yeah, I think that's LeBron's guy from uh, Cleveland. Had a very good relationship with uh, Kawhi last season, Kyrie, when he was in Cleveland. Um, just they got when, a bunch of ego managers, you know. Yeah, that's what guys. it seems like. Yeah, yeah, ego managers, you know, guys who not going – you know, who will respect a guy like Hollins or Handy or somebody mm-hmm. like that, you know what I'm saying, who will defer to them, Yeah. you know, and even with a guy like Rondo. So, and then on top of that, you got a bunch of basketball minds on that team. Like, that's a, it's a lot of brain power on that roster, man. Like, I mean, on the court and on the sideline. So, I was real impressed by what the Lakers did. Like, you know, a month a, a month and a half ago, they was like a joke, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And now they rebounded back to, you know, being a team that everybody looking forward to watch. What does Boogie bring to the Lakers that he possibly didn't have to do with Golden State? If he's healthy, man, like you're talking about a dude that's going to get you. I mean, he was getting 20 and 10 with AD or something like that. Like he was getting real close to it. You know, you get a guy who's real versatile, um, you know, who can get you inside, outside, you know, that physical toughness that, you know, that that presence that you need. And he's a center. You know what I'm saying? AD already said he don't want to play center. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so that's, I mean, that's the biggest thing he brings. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, he's got to, you know, he can fill that spot that AD don't want to play and move him out on the floor, you know, out on the perimeter a little bit. And, you know, with the jumper that he's, you know, got and developed over the years, that's just going to make AD even harder to deal with. They got JaVale as well. Yeah, that's what, that's, what I, well. that's what I think is probably the best at starting the games because you let Boogie come in in the second unit and dominate there because I still don't think there's the – we got to see what type of conditioner he is when he does come back. I mean, right. yeah, because that there there could be issues, you know, just with that starting lineup. But just as far as pick and roll goes, because we saw DeMarcus, you know, even in the finals and the playoffs. I mean, whenever he was on the floor, that's immediately who they went after. So um, I don't see him as being a bench player, though. I mean, definitely don't see that. Well, just with I, I say coming off the bench, but he'll be the one finishing games. I mean, because, you know, I think, JaVale, you start him off just because for energy purposes and just right. as far as fit, you know, just so far. But, I mean, it's going to be interesting uh, for them. I just hope they, you know, add some shooters. So you guys are more yeah. comfortable with the two L.A. teams. You're more comfortable in the playoff situation moving forward next season with the Lakers than you are the Clippers? Me, no. Um, just because I think when you – I look at – Defensively, I mean the Clippers, they pretty much on paper they're gonna lock you down. Yeah, that's the I way mean, it looks. You're, you're talking about Pat Bev, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard. So, 
you know, those one, two, and three, you know, you're going to have a difficult time scoring, you know, in a seven-game series. I mean, it was But they have no size, and that's my concern. Because, like, your biggest player right now is Montrez Harrell. Is that he's starting uh, no, six, five? Seven. Uh, Zubac, too. Uh, Zubac, that they, who that they he, got from yeah, he's not, LA. The trade from the Lakers. Yeah, LA, yeah, but he's not there yet. You know, so, I mean, even on the perimeter, yeah, they're going to be held to deal, deal with. There's no question about that. But, you know, when they run up onto those teams with size, especially, you know, when you're talking about that, you know, the team across the hall with two of the best big men, you know, when healthy in the league, you know, we'll see how they deal with that. So, mm-hmm. I'm not ruling like, the Clippers out. I mean, because you can win. I mean, you can win championships undersized. We've seen it happen before. Right. But, you know, at the same time, you know, when you, when you have that type of height and not even that type of height, but just the, the talent at that height, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's, a, that's a lot to deal with. And then you got LeBron running point. You know, you got some decisions to make. It's amazing because both of these teams have quandaries when it comes to health. Yeah. Right. We know Kawhi, low management, all of that. His situation in Toronto made that very popular to where most teams, even John Paxson talked about it with a young team here, a young core, that they're going to go to load management, which is crazy, and we'll get to the Bulls later on in the podcast. Paul George is a question. He claims that his shoulders are fine, but that's been chronic with him, leg injuries and his shoulders. And then on the other side, can LeBron get back to the old LeBron? And then AD has been injury prone. Mm -hmm. So for both of those teams – Health is a major, yeah, major, major concern. And you talk about the continuity of the Rockets and Denver and mm-hmm. Portland. All of those teams, for the most part, have been healthy as well. You know, and then you have the, the ace for Denver, which is Michael Porter Jr. Yeah. Does he play? Does he show up? What does he give them? Yeah. And they also got, I thought, was a very underrated move. Jeremy they Grant. traded for Jeremy Grant. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're And the OKC deep. Exodus. They're like too deep. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a deep. really underrated yeah. pickup. Mm-hmm. Gives him a lot of flexibility. Yeah. He'll be great protecting the rim and just defensively helps mm-hmm. him out because they struggle in that area. Man. Corey Brewer on steroids. <laughs> <laughs> Corey Brewer on steroids, bro. Jeremy Grant, man. <laughs> You're listening to According to Sources with BCSD and C4 right here on A2S Network. According to Sources right here. Once again, go check us out. SoundCloud, iTunes, the Under the Hood podcast, Umbrella, and also Spotify as well. It's safe to say, if we look at the time frame from Draft Lottery, NBA Draft, to free agency. Everything that the NBA wanted to happen and how they wanted it to go down, they're very happy with the way it went down. Safe to say that? I mean, I would say so. Um, well, I mean, that's the narrative, but you still got the same problem in the NBA as you have for the last 25 years, that the West is still the most stacked conference in the league. Like, it's ridiculous. They got everything on there. And the East is, you know, once again, what you got one guy, Giannis, that's it. And and that's been the problem in the East forever. How know, many true it. contenders in the East, guys? True contenders. None. One. None? None. One. Who, Philly? Philly. No. Yeah, one. I think just like defensively. The move. Yeah, the Al Horford move. Um, bring in Tobias back, who will have a larger role. Everything's just going to be dependent on, um, you know, the jump Ben Simmons, you know, has in this game. I mean, the one scary, scary thing, even with – as talented as he is, one thing about paying a guy max money this early when he hasn't, you know, 
progressed in that one area. Yeah, we can jump into it right yeah, now. Yeah, it could be dangerous because, I mean, if I'm making, if I got 170 guaranteed now, is he gonna Wiggins? I'm an all-star, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Is he the next Wiggins? <laughs> no, no, definitely. I mean, and just from... Oh, Ben Simmons? Yeah, yeah. and I, you could just see the eye test, you know, kind of proves that. I mean, and I'm... I hate talking about Andrew because everybody thinks I just don't like him. I actually like the kid, but it's just I've heard it from former teammates, current teammates that man, they he leaves he them. Want it? Yeah, he leaves them scratching their head because man. they're like, man, if this guy, you always hear that if he had this, if he had that, if he just did this, he'd be this. Like, man, and, the kid is a space cadet, man. Yeah, I don't know what it is. It's just you know, it's <laughs> like not. This. I don't like questioning guys. It's not that. It's not Yeah, I just don't think. I think he's good with being good. Yeah. And, I mean, which is okay. You've gotten paid. But I don't think he wants, you know, what we all believe he can be. Andrew Wiggins is a part of this larger problems I've been talking about. It's like the hype machine. Like, you've got to have the next, the next, the next, the next, the next. You know what I'm saying? And, like, you know, the people making these assertions and, and, and putting this type of or putting these labels on these kids or, you know, these players don't really know basketball. So, you know, when you talk about, you know, they've been talking about Andrew Wiggins since he was in high school. He was going to be this, that, and the third. Now look at him. It's like nobody even believes in the dude anymore. Like he collected checks almost. So Wasn't he called the next Jordan? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Just because he could jump Mm -hmm. and dunk on people. Like that was it, man. And, and, you know, you, you, you have to know what you're looking at. And, some guys will fool you. Andrew Wiggins fooled me. But, you know, over the past few years in the league, you know, I see what he's all about, man. And, and like, that's just not one of those guys who I think will get you to that level as the guy. You know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. I think I saw something on Twitter. Somebody was like, you know, Carl Anthony Towns is in Minnesota by itself. And if you kind of think about it, it's true because Andrew Wiggins will check out on you for, like, games at a time. You know what I'm saying? Months at a time. Weeks sometimes. So, it's tough. BC, you really don't believe in this Canadian pipeline, do you? No. It's crazy. I did. Shout out to it Anthony Bennett on getting back in the league, too. Man. <laughs> you know, it looked good for a minute. It really did. And, like, some of those guys are okay. Like, I'm still on the fence about um, uh, the kid in Denver. Murray, still on the fence. Still on offense about him, but like the rest of the bunch, though he's the best of the bunch. He is the best of the bunch, Um, as far as I can see right now. I don't believe in um, the kid from Duke at all. I just, I just don't see it. RJ RJ Barrett, Barrett, you said he he wouldn't make it through his rookie contract without being traded. Nah, absolutely not. If the Knicks get a chance to get a better player, he will get included in that deal in a heartbeat. So no, I'm not. I'm not sold on the Canadian guys. You heard it right here first. Breaking news: R.J. Barrett will be part of a big deal to get a big time player at Madison Square Garden. Brian Crawford lets you know right here on the coordinate sources. <laughs> <laughs> Russell Westbrook joining forces with James Harden, former teammates in Oklahoma City. Boatload of picks. I don't want to even go waste my time going through them. Went back to OKC. For the most part, there'll probably be picks somewhere between 20 to 31, depending upon where Houston lands. Mm-hmm. Mike D'Antoni was on the Woj podcast, and he was asked whether or not he felt like he needed to change his system with Russell Westbrook coming to the Houston Rockets. 
This is what he had to say. James is a horse, and now, you know, the second superstar you had is a horse, and you just try to match it up and try to get the best and then play the way that we need to play to be the best. And our offense, and it's funny, you know, be all you they got to change their offense. Well, it's been the number one or two. Right. Golden State's the best ever. And we're right behind them. Right. Actually, from mid-November on, we were a one point better offensively efficient than any team in the, in the league. So we're not changing much. You know, we'll tweak it. But to say you got to change, you can't win that way, that's BS. Most games come down, you know, one or two plays. It's a three-point shot, missed or made. It's a call, missed or made. It's a, and so you're putting yourself in a position to be able to be the one to make that shot, be the one that creates the foul, be the one that hits big shots at big moments. And if we do that then we, and give ourselves a chance to win every year, I think we're doing our job. So Mike D'Antoni said pretty much I'm not going to change anything. The system is the system, and I guess Russ is going to have to adapt to the system. Is this going to work? No. No. Absolutely not. Uh, you were adamant about yeah, that. Quick on the draw right no. there. Yeah, more. and I love Russ, but, I mean, the one thing that I heard with uh, Coach D'Antoni talking was he's basing it, I think they were like the number one, two rated offense yeah. last year. He's basing that off of, you know, that's because of the roster they had, you know, and the style that they were playing. That works for one player that works during the regular season. Now you're bringing, you know, a high, another high-usage player who you can't stick in the corner, who, you know, hasn't been accustomed in 12 years in playing off the ball. I don't think Westbrook has played off the ball since UCLA when he had Darren Collison over there So and Aaron Aflalo. So now I look at a situation where – I, does he handle the ball? Does do you take do you take James and put him off the ball? And you know you kind of take away from what they are if you know they don't have the ball in their hands. I mean they're at their best creating for others and you know being able to attack the rim. I mean James is the, probably the best one on one player in the league. So now you bring another guy over there who is his best with the ball in his hands. And you're asking him to space the floor. So I think they have to make some alterations. I always felt that, you know, the system as constructed now around James, that's the issue. I mean, it's good for numbers. It's good for breaking records. But when you get into the postseason and the game sort of slows down, it becomes an issue because now teams have that ability to load up on you. And now when you have Russ, when you talk about in the playoffs – if James is on the ball, he's dribbling for 10, 12 seconds, is Russ the guy you're kicking it out to in the corner? So I just see there's going to have to be some type of changes in that system this season for them to, you know, even get close to, you know, reaching the Western Conference Finals, let alone being able to get out the first round. It's pathetic to see a team so desperate. Like, it's really bad, man, and, and – I mean, I'm with you, Chris. I don't, I don't see it working at all, you know. And it, and it just seems like, like I said, it's a, it's a desperation move. You know, you lucked up because basically Oklahoma City was willing to blow it up and give those guys away. You know, obviously, you know, the Clippers got the better of the deal, you know, in terms of you know what they got versus what they had to give up. Mm-hmm. But you know. <clears throat> I don't know if Russell Westbrook actually fits that system because he can't shoot the ball like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, so 
that's the that's the number one thing for me. And you know, is James Harden after being the primary ball handler all this time? You know, even with Chris Paul, is he really able to? play off the ball like that comfortably because you don't want Russ playing off the ball like that because, like I said, he can't shoot. So, and then, you know, you got to incorporate guys like Capella and stuff like that. So it's it's going to be interesting, but I don't, I don't even really see them as a threat. Like, you know, it wasn't a move where, you know, you saw it and you was like, oh, man, watch out for Houston. It was like, eh, whatever. You know, we'll see. You know, it'll, it'll be some good games and some exciting nights, but they're not a threat to beat nobody. Yeah, the one thing that I think could possibly help is both of those guys already have a relationship. And I think with uh, Chris Paul and James Harden, there wasn't that initial relationship. They wanted to make it work. But I think, you know, Chris Paul with his personality and, you know, sort of like a small decline with where he's at, that became no, like... No, it's not a small decline. Yeah, it's kind of became... Small decline. Yeah, you don't want to hear like the... It's a pretty it's a complete fall off. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you don't want to hear a guy who really is not getting by his man anymore, like telling you what you should be doing on the court when you're averaging like 36. So, but I think having that um, that relationship with Russ can help with some because I don't think there will be too much fighting. There's definitely, I mean, because it is James' team. You know, so that helps. Russ is coming into that situation knowing that, you know, this is his team. How can I best compliment him? But, you know, still, Russ is, I don't think he has shot, you know, anywhere close to, you know, 35% from the three, you know, in his career so far. So, and he actually regressed a little bit last year from the free throw line. So, I mean, all that, you know, just for a team that shoots the most threes in the league. Yeah, that's their focus. Yeah, and you're giving... Layups, dunks, exactly. three-pointers, free-throw line. Yeah, I mean, and now you're giving a guy who, you know, that's not his forte. You're giving him a pass to shoot 10 threes now. I mean, if I'm the defense, we already know what, you know, the game plan is. Like, hey, we're going to funnel the ball to this side, and Russ is going to be the man left open to make a decision, shoot, or, you know, pass it back out to James. So I know James has been... Very effective. Mm-hmm. Pretty much playing point guard. Usage rate of 39. Russ is round 30, yeah, 30, which is crazy being on the same team. I actually think this would be the first time Russ has actually had shooters. Yeah. So do so you make him Do you make him that's what I'm, the like, primary ball Do you ball make handler? him the primary ball handler Yeah. and make James secondary and give him well, shooters in different lanes mm-hmm. that he's never had before? Might make him Can more James efficient. Harden play like that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, can he play he like think that? He he's can. so used to having nah, because he's so used to having the ball in his hands. But like, I think it would be more effective. You want James Harden to be your closer. Mm-hmm. So you want him to be fresh in the fourth quarter. This is completely different from the Phoenix, you know, D'Antoni system at all. Cause Steve Nash got the ball up, found his lanes, passed past. It's a seven second guy. offense. Though. Yeah. I mean That's the this offense. is James. This is ISO. You know, pick and roll shooters. That's it. So there's a huge difference. I always thought that I don't know if they got close to it, but you know, if I'm um, Daryl Morey, I'm calling Cleveland. I'd say the perfect guy for their system is Kevin Love. It's a big body guy who can rebound. It's a guy who can pick and pop. It adds a different element, you know, to the offense as far as you know having a floor, a four that can play the five, stretch the floor. 
So you don't have to go small. Exactly. All the time yeah. So to be your best I offense. Mean, now you. Yeah, add, I can see that. Yeah. Now you're adding another guy who, he's the best with the ball in his hands. So somebody, one of those guys is going to have to alter their game. They're going to have to. So who's that going to be? The easier person to alter their game to me would be Harden. Yeah. Because Russ is so easy to go in and get the ball off the backboard, off the rim on the rebound and pushing. If Harden gets out. James not used to running lanes That's the no thing. More. He's not used yeah. to running lanes. OKC, James. So anymore. now, exactly. Yeah. So, so maybe he can do maybe that, he maybe he gets used to it. Yeah, maybe. Like I said, the good thing is these guys know each other. They have a relationship. I mean, I'm pretty sure the um, – you know the the walk into the arena is gonna be you know crazy with some of the outfits they wear, but <laughs> you know in terms of you know competing, yeah. you know for a title, I don't know if this pushed them any closer than they were. I think they actually took a step back with this move, and it was just it seems like it was all for the sake of you know let's get another let's get another name in here. Let's get an, if the situation with Chris and James was that bad, then that could be a reason. But you know this move didn't really help. Well, Daryl Morey definitely got a better player. Yeah, like yeah, he'll work. He that. worries about the fit later on. Mm-hmm. He definitely went out and got a better player than he had at point guard with CP3. Mm-hmm. Not saying it's not going to work, but they're not going to win. Like that's not a championship roster. No, that's it's, all it's not going to work to me. It's just like, a bad. Just, yeah, it's just a bad. Yeah, you talking about first round and out. Yeah, like that kind of thing. So we look at the regular season. I think we all know postseason, regular season basketball is totally different. I actually think there's a shot the Rockets might end up with the number one seed. And what bizarre world? That system is a regular season system. For shooters. And I can see them. It's hard to come off a back-to-back playing a team from the Eastern Conference and then facing that team that's going to pick and roll you to death, shooters on the outside, shooters in the corner. I just think they struggled at the beginning of last year, number one, because Jeff Bezdelic was gone. The defense struggled when he came back. They were third in the NBA. He's gone again. In defense, and he's gone again. Yeah, D'Antoni doesn't have an extension. And he either. doesn't have an so extension. He's pretty much, yeah. Lame duck. Lame so duck. that adds another element to that. Like, it's rough. So it's a lot for him to fight through. Think about this. Like, we hear about James not being coached, really, yeah. there. What is D'Antoni going to say to Westbrook? With his current situation? Yeah. What? what, what is no, name, at name all. A coach, name a coach that has been able to say anything to Russ. I mean, true. But, I mean, that just leaves more credence to, you know, Russ is you – when you got 11 years of doing things one way and having an org, organization cater around to you, and now you're going into a situation where all of that familiarity and all the things you're used to is taken away, yeah. and now that's – reserved for another guy mm-hmm. and now you're being possibly asked to a very diminished role in a sense I don't know I just see you know just with his weaknesses you know what he's not good at on the court and what the strength of that system is I just don't see it as you know even if you're talking about regular season I mean I would cap them seriously um, just right now with the current roster I would cap them at like 43 wins. And that may not be good enough over there to, you know, get in the eight seed. You capped them? Yeah, 43. At 43? Mm-hmm. That sounds about Ooh, right. C4, yeah. BC. Don't be so cruel, nah, man. I mean, it's just a bad fit. I'm being cruel. It's a bad fit. 
I it tend to go the other way, man. I just think regular season basketball. That's you said it was going to be first. I said I think they have a chance to get the number one seed. I think Denver has a chance to get the number one seed. From a continuity standpoint, let me Ooh. tell you something, man. There's a slight chance. This might sound crazy. There's a slight chance the Clippers might end up the fourth seed. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Like, flat out. Like, everybody's just crowning them. Yeah, Lakers, Lakers could be a five, six Shout eight. out to Dennis Green. Yeah. Lakers could be a five yeah, seed. Yeah, you have a bad. We're talking about regular yeah, season. you have two bad weeks in the yeah. West. Yeah. It can, you can go from, you know, two to seven. Yeah, we haven't even talked about the Spurs. I mean, everybody wants to count them out. I can see them being in the picture, the seventh, eighth seed. Mm-hmm. You got Sacramento, Sacramento coming up. Who the moves they made, missed, the additions they made. Yeah, just Even though they the brought, brought BC's favorite player back that he won't name <laughs> from Iowa. Uh, and North Who? Carolina, huh? formerly of the Golden State Warriors, <laughs> NBA champion. Never heard of him. <laughs> According to sources right here, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Chris Kaysen, Brian Crawford. I am your guy, SD2 Mikes. Before we switch over to the Bulls, and this would be a perfect segue, Kendrick Perkins was on First Take and had this to say about the era of Russ, KD, and how it ended. One of the things that has never been talked about was what transpired and why the friction between him and Russ existed. It wasn't because Kevin Durant left. It was how he handled it. According to what I have been told, the night before Kevin Durant flew to the Hamptons, Kevin Durant had dinner with Russell Westbrook, Nick Collison, I think Royal Ivy, but I'm not sure, and literally looked Russell Westbrook in the face and told him, I'm not leaving. I'm staying. And then went to the Hamptons and announced that he was going to Golden State. And when that happened, he didn't pick up the phone thereafter and call Russell Westbrook. He texted him. Never even called. The person that might have been victimized most, the person that might have been screwed over most, is Russell Westbrook. KD told Russell Westbrook, well, bro, I'm coming back. And then not only did not come, but didn't yeah. call. And then Westbrook right. got blamed. And Westbrook got blamed for two years. Stephen A didn't tell no lies on the first point. That's how it happened. I mean, you know, I don't. I didn't get a chance to watch first take because I was flying yesterday morning. But Stephen A. Smith didn't, didn't tell any lies. I don't know how KD handled leaving Golden State. I don't know if he made the necessary phone calls he needed to make. But I know... That's how it went down, from my understanding. Also, when he left OKC. Now that the dust has settled and we have the end of an era in Oklahoma City, did Russell Westbrook receive too much blame for what happened? The demise, not being able to get over the top, and ultimately Kevin Durant leaving Oklahoma City. Nah, I actually think it was the reverse. I think KD took all the blame. Mm. Like, you you remember, you know, KD got, <clears throat> he, he was getting killed really bad for not being able to close out a series. You know, every time it was just him alone, he couldn't, you know, he couldn't win it. He couldn't, you know, he couldn't get the team over the top, you know, in the event that Russ wasn't available. He got hurt one of those years or something like that. Um, and Kevin couldn't deliver. And he took a lot of slack for that, man. You know, he... Took a lot of flack for that. And then, you know, right after, you know, you go and join the Golden State Warriors. So, now, I mean, I don't – Russ, 
it was almost kind of split, but I think at the end, I think KD took most of it. And I think KD is the one, you know, if we look at it right now, I think KD is the one who probably will show the most of the blame for that. Interesting, because I think that opinion is definitely in the minority for most people. C4, how do you see it? I think Russ did uh, take a lot of it, you know, just because his personality, you know, everybody critiques just how hard pressing he is. You know, he's not a guy who he felt he was the alpha and in terms of personality he definitely is an alpha over there but you know KD was obviously the best player you know just from you know talent skill level um I don't know I mean you know just looking at the situation how it is KD is you know when we talk about the best players in the league you know one two and three KD is top two you know so when you do hear the media the way the media will construct things like can't get a team over the top that is going to fall to the best player so Russ is not going to shoulder that but you know I just think he went to Golden State to because he liked the system he liked the way they played you know and you know he did what he set out to accomplish when he went there and now the next chapter is in Brooklyn, but yeah, I think Russ, in terms of like who took the most blame for that situation, I think it was Russ, just with the way Katie departed, you know, and then you hear the and as Kendra Perkins said, yeah, there was and no, if what he said is true, and I can say I've heard it from multiple sources, I've heard it from other sources besides Kendrick Perkins, mm-hmm. uh, confidentially, they went out to dinner. Yep, right. Nick Collinson was at that dinner. Russell Westbrook. And I believe there was one other Thunder player. Mm-hmm. And KD told all of them, I'm coming back. Went to the Hamptons, met with Golden State, and never talked to Russ ever again. Yeah. Just text him. I think so. Send him a text. I'm leaving. Yeah. That, you do that, to me that says a lot about your character. Because the least you could do is say, I changed my mind, bro. Phone call, I changed my mind. Right. And then just reports we've been hearing um, about how Sam Presti showed favoritism, how the Nike campaign, Nike wanted to put up one of the same posters they did for LeBron James in Cleveland. And they wanted to put it up right outside the arena. And Sam Presti pretty much told them, along with the organization, you can't have that poster within five miles of the arena. So the relationship between Presti and KD was an issue as well. And then Sam Presti comes out, according to sources. ESPN reported that Sam Presti said Russell Westbrook was the most important player in the history of the Oklahoma City Thunder. This is Sam Presti. Russell Westbrook is the most important player in OKC history. So that pretty much lets you know he's very dismissive. A one Kevin Durant. Well, yeah, I mean, and you look at just the timeline. I mean, it's easy to say that now with KD leaving and, you know, Russ. Well, I think he to, was quietly saying it when KD was there. Yeah, I mean, if you look at just the way, you know, and, you know, shout out to the OKC beat writers. I mean, they're breathing a sigh of relief now that, you know, they don't have to deal with. Oh, we talked the know. legendary uh, WWE and wrestling uh, icon Jim Ross, mm-hmm. who's Mr. Oklahoma yeah. and season ticket holder. For the Thunder, and he talked about how important Russ was and how beloved he was. But he basically said everybody close to the situation, organization, and 
beat reporters, like they were they were getting tired of the act. Yeah, I mean he's kind that of is Russell Westbrook. Yeah, I mean Russ is a a good guy. Having dealt with him away from like media, media, I don't know. He just shifts to a different personality dealing with, you know, NBA yeah. media. So I mean, for them, their job is going to be a lot easier now going forward. That right. he's, you know, not there. But I think a lot of that, you know, just with maturity, also. So I think we'll see a different Westbrook in terms of like media this year, also because you know it's not this is not your situation. Anymore. And and from what I hear as well, Russ is a good guy. Oh yeah, from what I hear, yeah. Darnell Mayberry. Uh, Heard him speak on Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 several times. And we're talking about the Bulls, but he also talked about his experience with Russ. He talked about Russ being prickly. Um, Barry Trammell was definitely excited about Russ leaving because Russ got at him just about every season in some way, form, or fashion. But other than that, off the court and outside of the Thunder organization, everybody talks about how nice of a young man he is, how much of a family man he is. So, you know, I just hate that there's their duality to him when it comes to perception in the NBA. And it's a cruel thing. But we get ready to segue over to the Bulls offseason right here in According Sources. And we're going to give our grades and our personal opinions on the moves that are made. And I can pretty much tell you right now, BC is going to give the Bulls an A+. We'll be back. A2S Network. You're listening to According to Sources with BCSD and C4 right here on A2S Network. Welcome back. According to Sources, I am your guy SD2 Mikes. Got my guy SC4 Dunk, Chris Kaysen, and at B under Craw4D, Brian Crawford. Go follow us now right now on Twitter. Get at us. Go listen to a previous podcast. They're all loaded up right now, ready for you to check out. A2S Network, according to sources, you can go find us at SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, and of course, under the Under the Hood podcast umbrella. Check us out. Let us know what you think. The Chicago Bulls, they draft Kobe White, Thomas Sadoransky. They sign him as a free agent. And then they bring in um, BC's favorite player out of the entire bunch, formerly of the Indiana Pacers. That's your guy, right, BC? Thaddeus Young. <laughs> you love the signing, don't you? Of Thaddeus Young? Yeah. That's why you gave him an A-plus, right? For the man, offseason moves? I don't moves? think nothing of it. It's the Bulls, man. I don't I'll, care what they I'll, do. I'm going to say this. And, and the reason I use Russell Westbrook as a segue, when it was apparent that Paul George had, had been traded to the L.A. Clippers, I think the, the writing was on the wall that Russell Westbrook was going to be traded. He went to management, had a discussion about what was next for his career. And there was a lot of buzz in Chicago surrounding a possible move that possibly uh, there was a rumor put out there, I believe a pick, Otto Porter. I'm not sure if Zach was included in that particular trade rumor. But either way, John Paxson, VP for the Chicago Bulls, came on ESPN 1000 and the flagship station and pretty much shot down their interest in Russell Westbrook. And then the thing that got to me the most, and I think we can get into this and talk about the fandom and the organization. Uh, BC, I saw a conversation you had with some people. C4, you responded to some people talking about this particular topic. I'm just going to go on my mini rant, and I'm going to let you have guys have the floor. My view of it never had anything to do with Russell Westbrook. Nothing. But it's amazing to me in life. It's almost like you're walking down the street, and you see somebody downtrodden, 
and you see they don't have anything to eat, and you go into a restaurant, and you order yourself some food, and you come out, and you think about them, and you give them some food, and they look at you and tell you, I don't want that. It's like, wait a minute. You're down on your luck. You have an opportunity to receive something, and you have the nerve to bristle up and say, no, I don't want that, and tell me what it is that you want. And that's just a microcosm of Bulls fandom and the Bulls organization, the arrogance that exists amongst the fandom and the organization right now. And the Russell Westbrook trade rumors exemplified that for me. I'm sitting here to tell you I didn't necessarily want Russ. I didn't think the trade rumor that was put out there that included Otto Porter, Zach Levine, and a pick was something that I would have said yes to. But I'm not going to say no to it or not think about it and say we're good. See, that's what ticked me off. When you have Bulls fans, you have a Bulls organization with the core that they have sitting here trying to tell Bulls fans, oh, we're good. We just have to remain healthy. Well, guess what? You told us after the season that you wanted all the players to be under your watchful eye. And what just happened under your watchful eye? Wendell Carter just had a core injury under your watchful eye. Now he's supposed to be ready by camp, but that's a core injury. C4, this is what you do. You write about health in GQ. Yeah, I think he had Dice. that issue. Like he had high an school, issue with yeah. it since high, I think that, since, yeah, since high school. So yo. Just to be fair. Everything I've heard, that the core is kind of big when oh, it yeah. comes to athletes. Yeah, seven footers too. Thank you. Seven footers. Yeah. Absolutely. So why everybody is just taking this lightly and say, oh, he'll be ready for camp. No, I'm not taking this lightly because it falls right in line with the history of medicals and this staff and this organization when it comes to the Chicago Bulls. So, no, when I see people on Twitter, they either cover the Bulls or fans of the Bulls, and they sit up here. I don't care if he is a declining star. I don't care if he is 30. He's better than anything you've had on this roster since Derrick Rose left in his decline, period. I don't want to hear about Zach Levine and the promise being a step away from the all-star. I don't want to hear about Laurie Marketing. Let's talk about that. What's the success in the NBA? Getting into the Team USA pool mm-hmm. to create relationships. We see it happen all the time. That's where these teams come from. I'm sorry. Laurie Markin is not playing for that group. If he's playing in the Olympics, he's going overseas. Going there is no connection. So if you want to have that one-time championship that pops up a la Dirk Nowitzki late in his career when he's surrounded by other vets, then fine. Maybe that'll happen. Maybe. If Laurie can become Dirk. That's the caveat. We don't know who he is. We don't know if he's going to stay healthy. We don't know if Wendell Carter is going to stay healthy. Otto Porter, really? John Paxson said, well, that's pretty much our offseason big signing. Really? Otto Porter? An overpaid three? He's going to bring veteran leadership to what? A core that we don't really know what we have yet. But you want us to keep rolling the dice, keep throwing the dice on the crap table. You keep crapping out. We keep crapping out, but you want the fans. And this is what ticks me off. The fans that have the nerve on Twitter to say we're good. You're not good. This team is not good. This roster is not good. This organization is not good. It's not in a good place. And stop talking like you are. Stop falling for this. We have to wait for our talent to develop. We've been hearing that for years. When Jimmy got traded, you know what we heard? We're going to have cap room for 2020 when all the free agents are ready. What did they do? They punted on that. So now what are we hearing? We're going to develop our young talent and get ready for Giannis. What? They're not getting Giannis. 
I can tell you here today, Giannis is not coming to the Chicago Bulls via free agency. He's not. Tell me who he's going to have the relationship with on the Bulls roster. Tell me who he's going to have the relationship to want to play with on the Bulls roster right now. Is it Zach Levine? No. Is it Laurie Marketing? No. Is it Wendell Carter? No. Oh, maybe it's our big free agent sign at Otto Porter. This is ridiculous. Stop. At least just tell the truth. Just tell the truth. Don't come to me with we have to let this roster develop. No. Let them develop. What are you talking about? Zach Levine is one step away from an all-star. What is that getting us? He makes the all-star game, right? And he's in the dunk contest. Everything is grand. All-Star weekend here in Chicago. What does that mean for the Bulls? You know what, though? A representative for the Mm -hmm. All-Star team. That's it. But BC, yo, I just had to say it. (laughs) I'm not, look, and I'm not here. Once again, let me let you know, I did not want Russell Westbrook in the trade, in the proposed trade that was out there. I wouldn't have done it probably. But I would have kicked the tires on it. The Bulls are in a position just to flat out say no to stuff. No, no, I mean, you, you see, like, yo, let's think about this for a second. Is he worth bringing in just because of relationships he has with other players that might be younger? Is he worth bringing in for that? Let's kick the tires on that. Let's talk about it. But for the organization I, and the fans to flat it, no, I'm, I'm good on Russell Westbrook. We're good. No, you're not good. That's not even something I consider. And I'm, so I'm, I'm with those people who would say, yeah, no, nah, I'm cool. That's not even a discussion I would have. Not because I don't like Russell Westbrook as a player. I think he's great as a player. I think you can't win with him. That's first and foremost. I don't think Russell Westbrook. Who are you ever winning with on this roster? Well, that's the point. You know, because if you, you know, if you, in order to get Russell Westbrook, you'd have to give up so much. So then, you, 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 I mean, you're still not winning anyway. You're not winning with the guys that you got, and then for you to go out and get Russell Westbrook, you're not gonna win with him either. And he's what is he thirty already? Thirty one. Thirty one. Gonna be thirty. Thirty one. Thirty one. So now you got a, so you got an aging superstar. Yes, he can go out there and average a triple double. I mean, he may even be able to get you good enough to get you an eighth seed in the East. But I mean that. What I mean, what are you doing here? So, I, and then all of the stuff that he comes with, like you just talked about, you know how the reporters in in Oklahoma City. Are glad you know that he's gone. Oh, I would love to you know, see him at Cowley, Doug. So you know that you know it's a, it, it's a lot to consider when you're talking about bringing in a guy like Russell Westbrook, and none of it really has to do with winning, because like I said, I don't think you can win with him. So I mean, I, I'm with those people who would say, "Nah, I'll pass on that dude." And like I said, it's not because I don't like Russell Westbrook. I just don't think at this point in time, if you're the Chicago Bulls and you know how I feel about the Chicago Bulls, I don't think that's the direction that you would go even if it meant anything about the relationship. And on top of that, Russell Westbrook and everybody in the front office will clash anyway, so you're not going to benefit from that situation at all whatsoever. And so, now, nah, I mean, and so, but, but the funny thing is that Chicago Bulls fans, to even think that you would even have a chance, to even have a conversation, like – Bulls fans are almost getting as ridiculous as like Knicks and Lakers fans. You know, even though the Lakers, <laughs> I mean, even though the Lakers really just kind of stacked their team, but like nobody was running to go play for the Lakers. You know, nobody's running to go play for the Knicks. Nobody's running to go play for the Bulls. So, you know, every time there's an opening or somebody's available, Bulls fans always want to throw their hat in the ring. No, you're not getting that dude. Like, just forget it. You're not going to do it. Because, again, and 
I think I had this. Well, not necessarily had a conversation with Tony Gill, but you know, I replied to something that he said. I'm like, yo, listen. Yeah, I got it right here, BC. It was from July the 11th. Uh, I got Tony Gill. He said, uh, you guys were talking about the damage that the Bulls front office has done uh, over the years. Yeah, I mean, like... He said that he agreed, but he also went to say that if the league respects how they play this year and how they respond to boiling, the narrative starts to change. What? Yeah, he hasn't been around too long. I mean, yeah, so that's why... It's like there are other people out there that are fans. Mm-hmm. We'll that see, are saying we'll it's like, it. no, what's just what I'm saying? This young, the Bulls have stayed around long enough and the bridge was long enough from Derek to now to where the younger generation still has hope mm-hmm. and will hold on to whatever they feed them. Well, it's not even that, you know, like, like, you know, we've all been there, you know what I'm saying? Like we've all come in and, you know, we've thought that, you know, we're, you know, we came in on the cusp with something great. It didn't last that long, but, we, you know, it was, it, was, it was something great. And so, you know, it was easy to think based on what everything that happened that the Bulls are really committed, you know, from the top down to trying to win another championship. But the longer you're around and you start to see stuff and you start to see a lot of stuff that don't get talked about, that don't get printed in the media, and so, you know, when you hear and see comments like that, you're like, nah, fam. Like, you just, you just got to be around a little bit longer to, you know, to see and understand what's really going on. So, you know, there is a there is a, a, a form of disillusionment that I think is rooted in actually wanting the team to do well. And I yeah. think that's where oh, it all absolutely. comes from. Because yeah, we, you know, we all want the team to do well. Mm-hmm. But then, like I said, when you get that close to it and you start to see all of the BS, they can't, you know, when you, you know, when you sit there – and then you watch Gar and you watch Pax and, you know, take them press conference. When you've been around long enough, they're not selling you on nothing that they're saying. <laughs> because you know better. Like, you know better. You know what I'm right. saying? And so, for me, I used to say I didn't understand where the fans were coming from. Because, like, yo, like, they still feeding you the same BS every single year. And I don't understand it. But, you know, when you're far away from it, you know, you want to believe that they're going to get it right this time. Because you've already seen them do it. You know, we have a recent history of the Bulls actually – doing something right and being successful with it. So you kind of believe that that's where they're going. But like I said, the closer you get to it and the more that you see and you understand, the less you believe it. Look, that's what angered me. When I see people on Twitter, especially fans, being dismissive of a possibility, I don't care if you, I didn't want it. I'm dismissive of the possibility. But it's like <laughs> being dismissive. No, no, no. Not being dismissive of saying you don't want them, but being, pretty, dis- being pretty dismissive like, like, like we're good. Yeah. Like, like yeah, we're the above nerve. it. Yeah. Like we're, we're above that. Yeah. We're above Russell Westbrook. Like what? Hold on. Wait a minute. Let's really break down what you have because you're really not good. You're okay. really not some, good. And we can get into it, man. Not, like, some guys are People not talking it, about this is a playoff team. Where? Yeah, they said that last year. The over-unders came out. You know what the over-under from Vegas is? 30. 30 and a half. Oh. Mm-hmm. 30 and yeah, a half. I, I give them that. I'm not making the playoffs. They're the worst team. 30. C4, a little bit of hyperbole here. I'll admit that before I even say it. They could quite possibly be the worst team in the division. Cleveland. Injury here. Yeah. In the but division. Cleveland's yeah, the no, only team Cleveland. that can be worse. Mm-hmm. Right? I'll go a step further. BC said that Atlanta would end up being better before the Bulls. Yeah. In their development. Because you guys went back and forth about who was better last year. BC thought Atlanta was a better team last year. C4, you were like, no. 
They they can't be. And you were just going based upon what you looked at on paper, like, yo, we have this young core. There's no way Atlanta should be beating them like this. Yeah, that's where Ever. the argument, yeah, when Atlanta was just, just coming man. into Chicago and, and Trey Young. Dude, is, Trey Young is basically ended off. Chris Dunn's Bulls yeah. career, in my opinion. On that yeah. Sunday, when he hit from Cook. half court and said what he said and got ejected, yeah. Chris Dunn's career here was done. Yeah. He Cook. was buried. Cooked. Yeah. Over. See, like, for a team like, all right, not even just the Hawks, but any team that goes through the amount of front office change as a team like the Hawks, just using them as an example because we're talking about them, to me, that's an organization committed to getting it right. You know what I'm saying? So you're going to have to fall and you're going to bump your head and, you know, you might make a good hire here, you know, a bad hire there. But you can, you know, you're not just shuffling pieces on the court. You know, you're also shuffling pieces, you know, in the front office. You're like, you like, you know, you kind of making moves all around to you, you know, to you get that one cohesive fit. So for me, Atlanta is going to top the Bulls just based on that because the Bulls have been the same for what the past 17 years. You got the, like the same two dudes, and this, you know, there's nothing, there's no growth there. Like that is that is the the epitome of stagnation. Like, they have been, what, front office-wise, probably the most consistent since, what, the Spurs almost, something like that? Mm-hmm. But the Spurs at least made better decisions. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, you got you got guys on one hand who have been in place for a while who make great decisions, and then you got another set of guys on the other side who makes terrible decisions and still keep their jobs. So it doesn't really, like, that's what I'm saying. When you know, when you talk about the Bulls and all of these players that come come up, like it it doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, you know, we go back to the relationships. Everybody knows how the Bulls front office get down from the players to the agents and everybody else. So those relationships are already ruined. I don't care what they sit up there and tell the fans. So you know, they got to get what they can get until they make some changes in the front office and 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 there's some you know some new blood in there where, where guys want actually want to give the bulls a real look because right now that's not happening yeah i think i had this um and not to quote my own twitter conversations but um i remember guys just bringing i can't remember who it was he brought up you know brooklyn situation the Clippers situation and another situation i was like you look from the top down to the bottom as far as what's changed for those teams to be able to allow them to get a Kawhi Leonard over there, to get a KD and Kyrie over in Brooklyn. What happened? Ownership, front office, and culture. Like those were the th- those were like some of the pivotal changes with the Clippers. Donald Sterling's out. Steve Ballmer's in. <laughs> Brings in Doc, Lawrence Frank. You look at what they've done. Go over to Brooklyn. Don't forget the logo. Yeah, Jerry West. Yeah, I think he does, like, you know, he's what he's been able to do over 20-plus years has been amazing. But, you know, I always kind of dislike, like, the guys that are doing the day-to-day things over there. Not he's just the like the consultant yeah, that comes in at the end. Very high. I mean, if I could have that job, I would. Oh, everybody yeah, would. Not complaining. Yeah, but go over to Brooklyn. Mikhail Pokerov mm-hmm. made one of the – Worst like trade, worst trades ever, and it took them a while to. But they reveal. still recovered. Yeah, but he's paying the tax, and then you look at that. I think he's sold the team. Does he still now. own that team? No, no, he no, sold he it. Sold. He sold it. Yeah, but you look at what they've done over there. Sean Marks, 
uh, Kenny Atkinson now. I mean, great culture, coach. very yeah. underrated coach. Built like, you know, built the culture from the ground up, and not saying, you know, that's similar to what the Bulls like have to do. But if we're comparing situations, you look at the differences between those major markets, what they've been able to do, what the New York Knicks haven't been able to do, what stands out to you, ownership like staying complacent in certain areas and believing the lure of, you know, your yesteryears is going to be what still attracts players. The Lakers ran into that situation a little bit for years, just thinking, hey, we're the Lakers. We're going to be fine. Yeah, brand recognition. Uh-huh. It's like, funny you say that because check this out. This is what Mark Shanowski from ABC Sports Chicago, Mark, he was on ESPN Mark. 1000. This is what he said about the way the Bulls, do business. They're still operating under the old game where you try to uh, clear your roster out for cap space, thinking, uh, well, 2021, look at this, Paul George and Giannis are going to be free agents. It doesn't work that way anymore. You know, the cap space is nice, but when we see all the deals that have been made since the end of the season, teams that are creative and can get a couple of stars to want to join forces, they just find a way to get it done. The cap space, you know, that's almost an outdated concept. It just doesn't work anymore. You've got to be in a situation where you have an attractive group with the, where, where the players respect your front office and your head coaching staff and, and everything else, and then and then you can swing a deal. It's all it's all about deal making now. You're not you're not signing one guy as a free agent. It seems like everybody's got to have a tandem, a best friend who's going to come along. And you know the old way of doing business uh, just doesn't work anymore. So that's Mark Shanowski, connected to the Bulls. Bulls post-game, Bulls pre-game. Pretty much saying the Bulls do business old school. Yeah. And they're not moving. They're not changing. That starts at the Like, they believe the it goes back to Jerry Krause, yeah. right? Yeah. Organizations I mean, no, it, it win championships. What, and it what, goes all the way up well, yeah, to, to Jerry Reinsdorf. I mean, and I don't think there's – Reinsdorf doesn't talk that much. When he does come out and say things, is normally – you know, when he has to. But you know it's him. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think we've talked about this. I say, you know, when he does feel it's time to pass the team down to... To Michael? Yeah. I mean, maybe you see changes. Like it happened with the Blackhawks. Yeah. Possibly, And I think you you will just because, just looking at Michael, having conversations with him, he's someone who is losing effects. So, I think the only thing that's still saving... And we'll continue to save Garn packs. Is the bottom the the bottom line isn't being affected. We're still going to sell. Oh, out. it never will. We're still going to sell out. So tell me when that starts getting affected. Like I think you see change, but what I don't think can continue to happen this year and then next year is optically those empty red seats because last year there were a lot. Last year, last year was probably the most where I was like. You know, damn. Right. The year before that, it was like, okay, people are still coming here. Right. But when people, like, optically aren't coming here for the big games, it's an issue. So, you know, who knows? I mean, this team gets off to, you know, kind of a good start. Or at least it's fun to watch. You know, that helps a little bit. But, I mean, you know, we can, we can go on all day about what the Bulls should do and what they – can't do, but you know, like it goes back to what Mark says. They run their business how they've always ran it. And Man, they run it. It's they 2019. Yeah, they, they still run the business like they did in the 80s. Yeah. yeah, and it's only one thing. I'm gonna be honest. It's only one thing that can save them. Another miracle. Like That's getting, how it always getting happened. Derrick Rose was a miracle. Mm-hmm. 
There's no way they should have gotten that number one pick. 1.7% yeah, chance. They end up with yeah. the hometown kid. Yeah, It's like the perfect basketball and marketing combination. Mm-hmm. It's nothing better yeah. than that. And then you get a coach in Tibbs who ends up Absolutely. being way better than anybody thought he'd ever be. And Tibbs was on record of pulling the Monty Williams. Monty Williams pretty much pushed the Lakers to the side to go to one of the worst situations in Phoenix well, that as a head coach. Not giving four or five years. There you go. He has that in Phoenix. Right? So that's it's no talking point. Tom Thibodeau has been on the record saying, yo, I was going to Phoenix. Until Doc Rivers pulled my coattail and said, "Do you see that dude number one?" Mm-hmm. And with all the crazy talk, conversation had to find its way to Derrick Rose, right? Yeah. Right. That's all. all these players going and partnering up and recruiting each other. Now you see why it was stupid for Derrick not to want to recruit. I'm still trying to figure out when he didn't recruit. Yeah, it's not an over-the-top recruitment. That's been one of the things that I always squashed down. I was Derrick's not gonna be at your door or blowing you up like, hey, you know, come join me. That's just not what this is, Chicago does. This is the hypocrisy. Yeah. This is the hypocrisy of the Bulls fan, right? When he stood up there at the All-Star game and everybody else was dancing and he didn't dance and showed like I'm not with all of this, fans loved it and was like, yes, that's us. That's Chicago. BC, I'm telling you, man, I was di- – in sports radio, and people were like, "Yeah, I'm rocking with that." Really? I'm hex. Yeah, I'm telling you, they were like, he "I'm rocking with that," and that was that was the that was part of I would say mostly it was about anti being anti LeBron. Yeah, yeah. That's where most of the support came from, being anti LeBron. Right. And Derek got a lot of love for that, but the moment that he got injured, all of a sudden, it's like, wait a minute, you loved him for being that dude. But now that he's that dude and he's not over the top in his recruitment and doing something that everybody else does, now you have a problem with it. You can't, it's, that's hypocritical. You can't have it both ways. Mm-hmm. He is who he is. Yeah, I always say, I mean, Derek did, you know, put out calls, text to Joe Johnson. And, that and the way that things are, that's not enough. Talk with LeBron, talk with, I don't know if he had. Too much. I know he spoke definitely with LeBron. I know he talked a little bit. And LeBron bit recently spoke Dwayne. about his free agency and said him and D-Wade were pretty much yeah, on, they were their coming, they were on their way here. And Chris mm-hmm. Bosh told him to hold up. Mm-hmm. They were ready to sign. Said even though they had reservations about how it was going to work with Derek and the ball, they were on their way here. Chris Bosh says hold up. The rest is history. That's what LeBron said? That's what LeBron said. And D-Wade right. said it on the Knuckleheads podcast, the Knuckleheads as, well, podcast as well. Chicago was 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 on the top of both of our lists. Yeah. Um, so it was pretty much Chicago, Miami was on the top. But, like, you know, we took we, – we, th- we looked at New York. Yeah. The possibility, because if we're going to ride together, if we're going to play together, let's see what these other cities got to offer. So yeah. Chicago at the time, they had to offer – they had two max contracts. Yeah. And they had a young D Rose yeah. before the MVP Rose the yeah. season before. They had a Luau Dane. They had Noah. Yeah. They had you know what I'm saying they had all these pieces. Yeah, so I'm like, that would be crazy. In, the, in the city in Chicago in the biggest one of the biggest markets. That would've been crazy. Yeah. But then it was like, ah, me, you, and D Rose. That's a lot. It's one ball. We yeah. all need it. Yeah. That may be too much. You know what I'm saying? I play defense. Though. Yeah, but we we thought it. Listen, talk about it. <laughs> but wow. So that the right way. there for me is like, how are you laying this at his feet? 
I mean, that's it, Derek is just like the the scapegoat still. I mean, five, five, seven, you know, eight years from now when his career is done, we'll still be, you know, Chicago fans will still find ways to pinpoint hey, to him being the reason. But I look at the way the Bulls do now, and then I also look at the position Dallas has been in with having, you know, all of this money, you know, in free agency year right. after year, continuing to strike out. And now you're in a situation where you found an opportunity. There was an unhappy, you know, star in Chris Stapps Porzingis. You know, you grab him, you trade for him. I think that's similar to what, you know, if we're being realistic and honest with how the Bulls are viewed and, you know, where they are in terms of superstar free agents, that's pretty much the lane that they're going to have to be in. You're going to have to see an unhappy superstar, hopefully, who's in his mid, mid-20s, early 20s. You're going to have to trade for him. Okay, this is not the problem. Be afraid, not be afraid to this, bite the bullet. This is, this is the issue, though. You look at the landscape, mm-hmm. right? Oh, that's not going to happen. You possibly, no, you possibly thought Dame might be one of those guys. Dame's not that dude. Once not again, dude he, came out, he came out at the summer league and said, look, man, I'm not looking to jump ship. No, we're talking about like Chris Stapps you, was obviously unhappy in okay, New York. Okay, you say Chris Stapps. Yeah. Chris Stapps, Luca's really the dude, in my opinion. Yeah, until until that seven three dude. Well, he has yeah, to stay healthy. healthy. Yeah, exactly. See, that's the thing for me. You know, and Luca's that, healthy. That cha- but that changes. Think about it. I mean, we're going back to like the KD thing. Like, if Chris Stapps is healthy, seven oh. three with that game, whose team? Who's, was sweet. Whose team is that? Oh, it's his. Easily. We're not even having a conversation. Luca becomes like a very, very good second player. And we talk about ceiling. What's Luca's ceiling for the next, you know, eight years? Can can he get better than he well, did? Well, I'll tell you this. This rookie year? KP's knee's not getting better. That's true. But if we're talking about we have Can Luca get better? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm talking about what's what's the ceiling compared to What's to see what we've already seen from Chris Stapps? Chris Stapps has right. been an all star. I mean, 7 3 can put the so ball on the floor. If we're betting right now, all of us, and the question was who's going to be the best player on the Dallas Mavericks next year? You putting your money on, on Porzingis? If he's healthy, yes, easily. I'm not, I can't rock with that C4. Who are they going to? The, first, I just see this kid getting better. It's going to be, I, I can see him getting better, but what's what's that ceiling compared to a seven three guy who there's no there's no answer for? You got a six eight guy is not really an answer for either. I mean, Lucas tough. Lucas, he's man. tough, six six, but still, what what is that what is that ceiling compared to what we've already kind of seen out of Chris Tapps? Yo, can you're I make say, one? You're saying let me make what one we've point seen, about, but we don't know if that's what we're getting. If he's healthy or not, he can be healthy and just never be the player that he used to be. That's true. But if he's anywhere where he was when he left off, whose team is it? Right now? No, we're From talking. Popularity we're talking stand, it's Lucas' team right now. Oh, of course. Of course. He played last it's, year. It's Lucas' team right now. Played and if he year. gets any better, I think it's going to continue to be Lucas' team. Next, next year it'll be his team, too, because it's going to take KP. A yeah, it's going to take KP right. about a year. A year, mm-hmm. but then the season after that, we'll see. Yeah. Yo, I need to make this point about the Bulls. Let me talk to the Bulls fans for a minute. You know, we talk about their roster problems and everything, you know, their culture. 
have they ever, and Chris, you can help me out with this because I don't think they have, have they ever paid any coach more than $5 million? No. I mean, it took them, I think, till Hoiberg to actually do that. I think Tom. Go over the five? No, not over the five, but I think Hoiberg got that five-year 25. Yeah, I don't think Tib, uh, I don't think Tibbs. I can't remember. Under five. Yeah, it was definitely under five. Yeah, he was under five. So that's another problem you got too. You know, when you talk about your culture, man, like you're not even paying your coaches. I mean, they pay they pay Hoiberg. I don't know what Boylan contract is, and whoever, whenever that deal runs out, depending on where this team is at in terms of that, that next coach has to be. The coach. I mean, it's so many problems, but I think the coaching is one thing, man. And, and you know, and that goes to the bottom line. Like they're not spending no money. Yeah, Tibbs was four years, seventeen and a half, so that was four point three. Four point three. Yeah. Hoiberg was five, five years for twenty five, so that's the five. And we don't know what Boylan is getting. Maybe a little more than five. No, uh, I don't. I, I, it'd be hard for me to see him getting over five. I mean, because last year. Okay, so another another coach that's under five. Yeah. So, I mean, but you look at the other coaching challenges around the league. Like all of the really good coaches are getting way more than that. Way more than that. I mean, like you got guys coming in getting. Like, do we know what uh, Vogel's deal was coming in the door? It's three years. I'm not sure what the the money. The money is for Vogel, but I mean, it, like you got to break Vogel bread. Was right at five, he was right at five. Yeah, I'll right check. at five. Yeah. Is that like the average for coaches? It's becoming. Wow, just in case they got to get rid of you. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> pay if you too looking much at bread. these coaches, I mean, that's experience. Vogel has, you know, experience. Led the team to help direct the team to the Eastern Conference. Monty Williams, highly respected. So he kind of commands that, you know, Boylan, you know, pretty much on Hoiberg's staff, you know, kind of is that guy going for it. But, yeah, you couldn't, can't give him five years. So when Boylan nah. got bumped up, I mean five, it was 800K. Okay. They so still, they haven't released the numbers, the numbers yet. Mm-hmm. But I would, he probably got bumped up to maybe one and a half to two. Probably so, yeah. Yeah, as far as salary, mm-hmm. yeah, so I, I think they that. were just finishing up. I think how many years do they have left on another year on Hoyberg's contract? Yeah, yeah, to pay him out. Yeah. yeah, and they had just got done with Tibbs mm-hmm. in the middle of Hoyberg's tenure. So, well, I don't think so they, they don't, yeah, I don't think they had to pay Tibbs once he once took he the took job. the job with Minnesota. Yeah, yeah, right? well, yeah, when he took the job, yeah, they only had to pay him for what that one season. Yeah, that one season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, man, you gotta you know you gotta spend money. And you, know, you got to get good money. people. Yeah, and yeah. you got to get good people. And you got to have a good culture to get good people in there. It's a culture to make them want to come pay for you. The Bulls can play well and all of that. That's well. But how you conduct business, your what your perception is, and how your perception has been for the last 20 years, that's what speaks volumes because right. these are the same agents that's done business with you. Which baffles me because John Paxson has said it multiple times, relationship with the players starts with the agents. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, where? hold on. I'm like, this is 2019. 
like the relationship with the player doesn't start with the agent as much as it used to 10, 15 years ago. It starts with the players on your team. Like players talk. That's the relationship you need to foster and change the culture of. What do players around the NBA say about your organization? Not agents. What do players say? What did D-Wade say when he left here? Mm-hmm. What did Rondo mm-hmm. say when he left here? What did Jimmy say when he left here? That's what you need to worry about. Not Rich Paul, Leon Rose, all these other guys. What are the players saying about the organization around the league? And rumor has it, D.C., we talked about this. Rumor has it they have an issue with Zach Levine working out with his dad. They've taken issue with the fact that Zach is working out the way he's working out. And he's not under the watchful eye that they wanted everybody to be under. I mean. This man, look. Is he supposed to stay in Chicago? Like, forever? Like, man, the thing I like about Zach is Zach not only works out, but he hoops. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, he goes to Seattle and he hoops. Like, he plays in that Jamal Crawford League. Like, they get it in over there. It's You know, if he was going to be in Chicago, the only thing he'd be doing is working out. You know, and and that's just kind of what the constant is because the basketball scene in Chicago is is a lot different. Yeah. So I mean, I don't, I don't have no problem with that. I mean, like I said, I don't, I don't expect the dude to stay in Chicago year round. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, and if that's an issue, I mean, you know, coordinate, send send a trainer, you know, over there. But I mean, it comes down to being comfortable. Zach is comfortable. With his father, I mean, you can't really argue with the results, you know, unless something happens. I mean, you know, he, right. at least you know your guy. You don't have to question if your guy is working out or not because it shows. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's just. I mean, like, and, you know, and if he's working out with his father, man, he's probably, you know, he's probably getting that confidence back in his knee because he's not in that. You know, you're not in that pressure environment. Like, if you're working out in the advocate, you got, you know, all these eyes on you, man. Like, that's that's a little different kind of workout. You know, that's a little stress. Whereas, you know, if it's just you and your pops and y'all going through stuff and, you know, you can kind of be a little bit more relaxed and carefree and kind of be more in tune with your body to be able to see what it's, you know, able to do and, you know, able to handle. So, I mean, if anything, it's a mental break for him. So, you know, let that kid do what he does, man, because... He's all you got. So whatever he do that works, let him keep doing it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure his father, um, Paul, who I've met, I think once or twice, um, you know, was a professional football player. So, you know, kind of probably knows what he's doing in terms of, like, just some of the workouts that I've seen. It looks like it's mostly just a lot of, you know, high, um, high intensity stuff, you know, and we only get a glimpse, you know, on social media of what they're doing. So I'm pretty sure Zach is, you know, he's working out with, um, man, what is the trainer? I mean, I've uh, seen him like changing levels. At least that's, I've heard other trainers talking about it, where you go from one level on the box, back down, and then you explode. Plyometric, yeah. yeah. Yeah, still, What's wrong? still like, working with, uh, man, what is that? I can't believe it. Uh, Drew Hanlon. Yeah. You know, over there. So, I mean, he's he's getting his work in. I mean, if there's one thing the Bulls don't have to worry about is. But why does, every, every, why does everything have. Look, to make it seem like they have to come back here and work out here and commit to being back with us and our staff, that's not a sure thing. You're making it seem like that's the only way they're going to get better. Like, man, this is the yeah. NBA. 
as much as we place and give credit to assistant coaches and head coaches, they do deserve some credit. Man, it's up to that guy that's willing to put in work and his attitude on whether or not he gets better as a player. Listen, man, as big as Zach Levine's daddy is, ain't nobody <laughs> going to tell that dude nothing. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> nothing. Yeah. I, I mean, from Bulls' standpoint, it's probably just a continuity thing. Like, we want our guys, since everybody's this young, we want guys being familiar with one another. But yeah. it's, it's the summer. You can't it's, expect. Once again, yeah. just – I was in Atlanta, man. I've seen Wendell Carter in, in the Linux, man. Cut it out. <laughs> These dudes go back home, man. That's what they do. Exactly. Family, friends. Second level, yeah. third level. Uh, Second level. Second level. He was leaving out. Yeah. So he was down there by the Garrett's Popcorn Joint. The uh, California, Ford, California Pizza, Pizza, Pizza kitchen. kitchen right there. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. why I saw him. Boy, you can go to Linux Mall and see a lot Anybody. of people. Anybody. That's probably one of the best malls. The other one uh, in L.A., Beverly, the Beverly, Fox Hill, oh, but the, in the Beverly Center. Yeah. Yeah, that mall, you can catch somebody down there, too. According to sources, we come back, true for trash, Steph Curry style, and uh, we'll probably Millie rock this a lot better than Aisha Curry, but we'll be no, right I'm back, right. according to sources. You're listening to According to Sources with BCSD and C4 right here on A2S Network. According to sources right here, Truth for Trash. This is one of the most important seasons for one Steph Curry to prove himself. Mm, I'm going to go Truth, but I'm going to layer it with something. Come on, man. So Steph don't, really don't, don't straddle the fence. Mm-mm-mm. Steph ain't really got to prove nothing. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's he's done what he's done, and, and, and he's become Steph Curry because of that. But what he does have to prove is if he can carry a team dang Lillard style. So, nah, true, definitely. Because he has to be able to get the Warriors to the playoffs at least. He ain't got to win no series. But get them to the playoffs at least because we've seen Dame Lillard do it. One other dude for what? However many years that he's done it in the toughest conference in the league with no problem. So, I got to see Steph do that because it's a lot of – Pro-Steph guys, people think I hate Steph. I don't hate Steph. I think he's just in a great situation. And I've always said if you swap him and Dame out, go to State win, lose a beat. But Portland might have a problem. So we'll, we'll be able to see that this year. I say a little. I say uh, trash because just because, you know, no clay there. So familiarity is gone. And now you're bringing another guy who needs the ball in his hands, and we're not talking about catch and shoot. We're talking yeah, about Bob Myers coming yeah. out saying they didn't trade for him to flip him at the trade oh, deadline yeah, very, either. Very, very yeah, all right, whatever. Know, very good lie, I mean. You know, at least – They already think, lied a bunch of times. Yeah, I don't think he gets traded uh, this year, but definitely in the summer or even, um, you know, towards midway through next season, I think you start looking around and seeing what else you can do to compliment Steph and Clay. But, yeah, I think it's trash just because Steph has already proven two-time MVP, the only unanimous MVP um, in the league. That was trash. I can't say that, man. I go back – you go back and look at those shooting numbers, the – I mean, this guy was sitting. I said this. Was, he was sitting dude. fourth quarters. And, you know, I said this. Russ, Russ should have got some uh, MVP votes that year. I'm I mean, sorry. We, they it shouldn't have been unanimous. Like, I mean, James Harden could have easily been, like, MVP, yeah. like, three three out of four years. 
you know, but yeah, I think Steph has already proven. I mean, this year is going to be about, you know, possibly, you know, holding your head above water until Clay gets back. And even then, you know, it's an adjustment period. I mean, I th- still think that just the D low and he's going to, Steph's going to have to get a little bit more accustomed to, you know, another guy. You know, being ball dominant now. I mean, from the guard position. I but mean, he's we, the guy that can play off the ball. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, of the two. Yeah, because D'Lo is going to need the ball. Yeah. in his hands. So yeah, I think it's trash. It's amazing because years ago, when I was doing uh, the Down the Distance podcast, I remember saying that um, Steph Curry is Steve Nash on steroids, and that's just the way I felt. And a lot of people are like, that's disrespectful. It's like, no, I really don't think it's disrespectful. I think he's transformed the game of basketball. I think he's a hell of a shooter, best shooter in the history of the NBA. Some people still argue Larry like that, Bird. Though. Yeah, He can never pass like <clears throat> Steve yeah. Nash. He's Steve Nash with selfish, selfish. Yeah. 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 But it's like, I can, like there's a connection, just the way oh, they yeah, play, the style they play, and both of them getting those – uh, two MVPs, mm-hmm. and then kind of like as a consultant, there, right? You know. I think for me, if KD doesn't go to Golden State, I think Steph Curry's career is very similar to Steve Nash's. Everybody would talk about nope. those two years, those great two years he had, and oh, and no Finals that. MVPs, and no Finals MVPs. You know, in the playoffs and in the regular season, it's just the unanimous MVP season for Steph. That's the three point record. And a seventy-three and nine, right? Yes. Is that the same season? Yes. All right. Get to the finals, you lose, mm-hmm. and you win unanimous MVP off of that seventy-three and nine. Even though no, I know it's, it's a regular not just season the, award. it's not just that they lost; it's the well, way they lost. Russell Westbrook was based. Did he? He he was flirting with a triple double. He got like the most triple doubles like in a single season or something, something crazy like that. But you know, the triple double back, doesn't mean anything. That's what they say now. But he comes back a couple years later, averages a triple-double for the season for the first time in 34 years, and he don't get it unanimous for that? That's what I'm saying. Like, like that's my problem with Steph, and it's not his fault, but I think that that was that narrative-driven stuff. Well, yeah, I mean, the MVP is narrative-driven. I mean, you think about just a team that's 73-9, and nine, you look at it, a, a dude who just broke his own three-point record, you know, and then I mean, you also got to look at who's voting for the MVP. You know, the media, so right. when Katie, that's fine. Yeah, that's but fine. But Katie the same leaves, dudes that made him unanimous, the same dudes that made him unanimous, to me, that should have went. Rush should have been unanimous because he did something that had never been done, in over in in three decades of the game. Something that we thought would nobody would ever do since Oscar, and yeah. something that we thought LeBron would have done by now. Like, they talked about that for a long time. Like, LeBron would be the first one to average a triple-double and ends up being Russell Westbrook. That should have been your, your unanimous MVP, not Steph. And then on top of that, you know, you make it to two finals and you don't win the finals MVP. You lose one to Eagle Dollar and you lose one to Kevin, Dun- uh, Kevin Durant because he's just basically like, who else are you going to give it yeah. to? You know what I'm saying? So that, to me, that's why I say on the truth for trash tip, that's why I think it's true for Steph. Like, he doesn't have anything to prove. Well, he but lost he two to does KD. A little bit. Well, yeah, he lost well, two yeah, to KD. I mean, but like and then said, one to Iguodala. Yeah, that just goes to yeah, you, that, know, you being mean, canceled out. Yeah, like, that's pretty much. You yeah, you canceled yeah. out. Yeah. yeah, but now it's all on you. It's all on you. So for you, it's trash. 
for BC is truth, and I'm it's the, true. I agree. I need to see for him to get out of what I called him, which is Steve Nash on steroids, for him to break out of that mold that I created for him. I need 50 wins in a playoff appearance because yeah. I feel like you have enough. I feel like you got Dre, you got D'Lo. I was disappointed with what they did to add pieces off the bench. I thought they would do more, but still I need to see. I need to see. They lost a lot. They did. They did. You lose KD, you're going to lose a lot. And they lost You lose KD. I think Iggy's very. You lose Quinn Cook. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he went to the Um, Lakers, yeah. But they saved Kevon Looney, so, you know, all is not lost. (laughs) Yeah, they got a very underrated pickup in <laughs> Willie Cauley Stein. They did get Willie yeah. Cauley Stein. Yeah, they did. They yeah. did. Rim so runner. Did. Mm-hmm. So they did. He talked them way out of Sacramento, didn't he? I don't Smooth. know what happened. He Smooth talked yeah. himself out of Sacramento. Oh no, nah, he no, nah, he saw what was going yeah. on with Marvin. He had to he had to get yep. gone. <laughs> <laughs> he saw what was happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got to do something else. Oh man, getting ready to get out of here, man. Before we go. As always, I'd like to highlight what my compadres are doing. Um, C4, any pieces coming up in the offseason? Uh, something with Bleach Report, working on it now. Uh, just talking about a very, very big name in the draft that didn't get drafted, had entered uh, last year's draft, went back to school, got injured, did miss the season. So that should be out in the next couple of weeks. I think, think I got an idea who you're talking mm-hmm. about. That should be really dope. Yeah. That should be really dope. BC, you've been, man, EYBL, AAU, checking out the future of college basketball and the NBA. Um, I saw our guy. I remember myself and you and Cam Smith. Great class. We saw it as freshmen. Uh, DJ Stewart uh, faced off against Morgan Park in the state championship game. And they ended up losing because Namari Burnett went off in the fourth quarter in overtime uh, because Ayo had been injured in the semifinals. And Morgan Park gets that state championship, and we were debating who would be the better prospect when they were seniors, getting ready to go to college between Namari. And Ace wasn't even in the picture yet because he was still downstate and hadn't transferred up here to Morgan Park yet. But now we have that trio. Namari's out in California. Now we have that trio with Namari Burnett, uh, Adam Miller, and DJ Stewart, who just got two offers from Tobacco Road, North Carolina, and Duke, offered them this past week. Man, just give me your thoughts about those three guys. Anytime Coach K goes after Chicago kid, it just seems like he gets them. So, I mean, I like Ace, man. I like him a lot, actually. I think, you know, he's definitely going to be the next one out. Uh, you mentioned A.O. I wasn't very high on that kid. I think I said that a, a few times. Um, but, you know, A-O, he said I.O., A.O. is I.O. Yeah, I.O., so, I.O. Yeah. But he stayed in state, so I give him props for that. Um, Coach K, man, he, he he stays knocking on the door of Chicago, man. Like you, you, just, you just can't keep that dude up out of there, man. And he pulls something all the time. The problem that I have with Duke guys is just they don't amount to very good pros and he does not have a good track record of that. So, you know, again, I'm I'm always I'm always with you, Sean. Like I want to see the hometown guys stay home. But um I mean it's gonna be some big time recruiting going on in the city, man. And you know, Ace is gonna be that dude. Hey man, look, you know the funniest thing Ace listed his top ten. Oh, I, I love loyalty, man. But you know who made his top ten? 
Who's that? The Chicago State Cougars. Wow. <laughs> wow. I'm all about loyalty and what Mac Irvin has done for him and his high school coach, Nick Irvin, over at Borgia Park. Man. Ace, he put that's tri- what's up, Ace. That's, uh, that's what's up. Man, he should have put Triton on there. At least they won a championship. <laughs> they, got a, they got a recent championship under their belt. Well, DJ Stewart, would you would you advise him to choose North Carolina over Duke? Man. Just because of what you said with the development and, go, and the pros and the history of the pros from those two programs? I mean, North Carolina ain't got a good track record of that either. Recently, lately. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I... I I don't know. You know, we talked about brands. Well, we'll be watch, we'll be watching enough uh, a Tar Heel here in Chicago. Yeah, next year. Yeah. So, yeah, I I mean the jury's still out on that kid. But you know, we talk about brands a lot, man. And, and Duke and North Carolina is the same situation. You know, two programs that were great back in the day, and now they you know they kind of relying a lot on brand recognition. And you know, it's just it's just not working. But you know, we'll see. I would advise that kid if you're gonna tell me to choose and pick one. I would probably say go to North Carolina because I ain't never been no Duke fan. So, nah. Go to UNC. Uh, Namari. Namari is pretty much the – it seems like he's going to either end up at UCLA or Oregon. I think Kansas is in the picture as well. But I think Oregon and UCLA are pretty much the schools. He's going to stay I would go to UCLA. You go to UCLA? Yeah, because, you know, you 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 guaranteed to get good runs in the summer. Guaranteed. Going to Rico Hines uh, workouts. Oh, man. Guaranteed to get runs in the summer. Yeah. Yeah, check out the latest video they just had. LaMelo's been putting in some work. Josh Christopher. Josh Christopher looked yeah. good. Cassius Stanley. Yo, LaMelo, the truth, man. He, he going to be all right. He going to yeah. be real good. Yeah, he's going to be all right. Even when Lonzo was in high school, they said LaMelo was, was going to be the best of the bunch. Yeah, shout out to six, I didn't see it six, at seven. first. Yeah, no, you yeah. couldn't see it. All you saw was <laughs> yeah. a kid that. You know, had he was small had and he promise. pretty much was shooting threes yeah. in the corner. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, but now, now that he's, he's got six, that size, seven, six, seven, what the handle and can finish at yeah. the rim well. So has the same passing skills as Lonzo. Mm-hmm. It seems like yeah, six seven point. Yeah, guard, watching yeah. the Rico Hines videos and the Drew League videos, it's like okay. Yeah, I want to see him play against you know with the Rico Hines thing. There's Definitely, it's pickup. It's competition, but, yeah, but it's, it's not like, like they're playing 70 percent. Yeah, and even with the Drew League, I don't think he's played against like some of the, you know, big names over there yet. So you're still playing in this age group somewhat over there, and hasn't gone against the big guys. Yeah, you know, guys who are gonna like go back at him and challenge him. So I mean, I'm pretty sure that's to come. But you're basically I mean, saying he doesn't have any Patrick Beverleys on the court. Yeah, basically Pretty much talking gonna, to him yeah, like get up he did that. to his brother, yeah. yeah. And then we're going to see, um, you know, what you made up. But, I mean, talent-wise, that kid is nice. The skill set is there. Yeah. I would lo- have loved to see him in college basketball. Yeah. I would have loved to see him in college basketball. But once again, his father robbed us of that as well. <laughs> but, you know, hey, man, you got to go him. where the money is. Exactly. Yeah, you know, but he took the shot. I'm not mad at LeVar. No, he man. took his shot. It was sad to see, you know, him have a table out at the Drew League. Selling the shirts for selling $5. Selling the shirts for like $5. $500. They, what, what's that? <laughs> 10,000% off? Yeah. <laughs> That's mad crazy. Hats, $5. It's like, man, it was all good just a year ago. Man, that stuff going to be like collector's, collector's items. Collector's items. That's true. <laughs> yeah. But, hey, the but he can thing say- is, 
Lonzo and Melo can still become like all star brothers. Yeah, and and it still Levar would be can, like, okay. Look, Levar can say he had three son. All three of his sons got paid to play basketball. Yep. Yep. He can say it. So the only other brothers to do that are uh, the, the Obanis right? did it. The holidays. Nah, the Obanis. The holidays. The Lopez. Lopez is the. Giannis is, yeah. Yeah, because they just signed yeah. his brother. Uh-huh. Milwaukee just signed his brother, I believe, today. Yeah. Uh, man, yeah, it's like four holidays, three of them. The, yeah. the Grants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, missing some. But, yeah, it's yeah. been quite a few brothers. Yeah. 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 So, just to let you Bulls fans know, if they wait, if they end up back in the lottery, which they will, mm-hmm. um, next year is the year of the big man. It's a man. I was just looking at the mock draft. It's so much talent, six, seven, and up in that draft next year. James Wiseman's the best Man. of the bunch. Mm-hmm. If Penny, look, true for trash. I haven't seen him. True play. for trash. How is it? Penny has to get to the Sweet Sixteen with the talent like, he has this year? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the that's the number one recruiting class, right? Yeah. I mean, you got to find a four talent about a whip, though. Team. Yeah. yeah. So anything left? I'm I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say Elite Eight. Yeah, because you got too much. Like, bro, he got everything. He got the number one player in a couple of states. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's it, man. According to sources, we tried to give you as much content as we could. Sorry we kept you waiting, but we wanted to let the dust settle on everything in the off offseason. Uh, we'll be back. We're going to take a break. And when we take a break for the next couple of months, we're going to be giving you, according to sources, the culture. That's our culture podcast. We're going to step away from the NBA. We will be doing a mashup NBA podcast with another podcast and partners of ours. So look out for that. And, uh, yeah, we're going to talk culture. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about the year of 1994, known as one of the best years in hip-hop. And we're going to go back and we're going to list our best albums of that year, 25 years later. And then we're going to talk about the Nipsey Hustle. The marathon continues, but breaking news that he was under investigation by LAPD at the time of his death. Definitely not a surprise, and not a surprise that it comes out right now. Crazy. So that's coming up. We'll get back at you. But my guys, C4 Dunk, Chris Kaysen, my guy B underscore Crawford 4D, Brian Crawford. I'm your guy SD2 Mikes once again, according to sources of A2S Network. Go check us out. SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, and in the next week or so, all of our episodes will be up on the Under the Hood Podcast Network YouTube page as well. There's always three dudes that love the game, from the game, and know the game. Just giving it to you, according to sources. We're out. <laughs>